What is up, beautiful people? Welcome back to the Made to Excel Fitness Podcast, the fitness podcast for you, by you. I'm your host, as always, Mark Torres. And in today's episode, episode number 30, I'm going to tell you the three training principles essential for any resistance training program. Plus, in the Q&A, we're going to talk about how much cardio you should be doing and what is the appropriate age to begin working out. And as always, the weekly follow-up. Let's talk about it all. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. It is Monday, September 28th. Welcome back to the Made to Excel Fitness Podcast. It is episode 30. That's a terrible, a terrible um, (laughs) air horn impression. But 30 episodes, 15 hours worth of content for the podcast. It's incredible. Obviously, whenever you start something, you do it with the anticipation that you're going to do it for a long time, but you just never know. So 30 episodes, it's pretty crazy. Uh, next, it'll be 50 and then 75 and 100, hopefully, knock on wood. Um, but today's podcast episode is all about the training principles that you need essential for a resistance training program. But before I hop into that, obviously, I talked about this in the last episode a little bit, but as I've gone back to work, I don't have as much time to spend on making the podcast. The five months prior, I had nothing but time. So, um, Now that I know that that's happening, I've started to stockpile episodes a little bit. So as I'm recording this episode number 30, episode number 29 is already in the can, edited and recorded and ready to go out. But this is the week of episode 28. So I'm like two weeks ahead. And in being ahead, you guys are actually kind of like time travelers. And I'm going to definitely get lost in this metaphor, but future you or past you to yourself, future you to me is listening to past me. And past me is living in a world where week one of the NFL has just concluded. And I don't know if you guys know this. I talk about it sometimes on the podcast. I'm a massive, massive Chargers fan. So as you're listening to this, as I'm recording it, the Chargers are 1-0. We just beat the Bengals over the weekend. It was a terrible, ugly victory, but a victory nonetheless. So you're listening to a happy pass mark. But this week, the Chargers play the Chiefs, and I don't know who we play in week three. So as you're listening to this, it'll be after week three of the NFL season. So you're listening to 1-0 Chargers, happy mark, but you know in the future you, or present you, however you want to look at it, what the Chargers record actually is. So you have a little bit of an insight and a glimpse into what the intro of a future podcast episode will be, maybe in a world where the Chargers are probably 1-2. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Let's hop into the actual episode. Um, Three training principles that you must have that are essential for a resistance training program. So obviously essential number one is to have a good training program to begin with. Um, And I've talked about that in prior episodes, so I'm not going to get into that today. You can go back and try to find some of those episodes. I'll probably drop it in the show notes um, so you guys can find those things as well. But once you have that training program, What comes next? Because uh, sometimes just having the directions, it should be as obviously as simple as just follow the training program. But if you've ever tried to warm up a hot pocket, you know that if you put it in the microwave and you follow the directions on the box, the hot pocket is going to come out still like an ice break. You've got to have a little bit of a je ne sais quoi, a little bit of an intelligence, a little bit of an ingenuity in order to warm up a hot pocket. Um, Kind of the same thing here. Just because you have the directions, just because you have the program set in place for you. Following it is obviously a step in the right direction, but there's maybe some different layers on top of it that will take you to the next level. So that's what these three training principles are in this episode today. So training principle number one is finding the correct form 
that works for you. So in essence, this is a little bit of a straightforward thing, but it does have a little bit of a slippery slope aspect to it as well. So obviously doing the correct form of workouts is going to be essential for getting the most out of a workout, but even more importantly, it's going to decrease the amount of risk that you take when you're at the gym of hurting yourself, right? So um, in any situation, doesn't even have to be necessarily fitness, but any situation, there's the risk reward scenario that you've got to think of. Whatever you're doing, what is the potential reward that you get for doing this thing? And what is the potential risk that you get for doing this thing? So when you apply that to going to the gym and working out, what are the potential rewards? Weight loss, muscle building, um, being healthier, living a longer life. All the benefits of exercise you could possibly think of would go in the rewards column. Um, and then when it comes to risk, if you are doing things, if you are doing exercises in a way with correct form, the risk is actually very, very low for the most part. Obviously, there's always an inherent risk. A freak accident could happen. You could try to do too much in too little time and hurt yourself. But for the most part, the risk factor is pretty damn low. Uh, I'm not going to say zero because it's never going to be zero. Anything could always happen in any given moment. Um, but the risk is pretty low if you're doing things in a correct manner, if your form is correct for a lot of these workouts. But of course, if your form is off in any way, shape or form, the risk factor starts to go up a little bit. You have a real good shot of hurting yourself if you're doing things incorrectly um, and you're not working towards fixing those things. So obviously that is super important. That is one of the things that a personal trainer does is risk mitigation, right? We're there, we're watching your form, we're seeing that you're doing things correctly so that you do not run up the risk of hurting yourself. And even so, like people that want to push themselves, I have a client that wants to push himself all the time. He's always trying to put the weight up, put the weight up, and I can see that his form is starting to break down and he's maybe doing too much. So I've got to be there to kind of bring in the reins a little bit so he doesn't hurt himself. So a lot of what personal trainers do is risk mitigation, and that should be the same for you, making sure you have the proper form for different exercises so that you don't hurt yourself, right? Um, you know, in terms of like the standing on a Swiss ball, standing on a, or an exercise ball, and if you listen to the show with any regularity, you know that I hate when people do this because the risk-reward scenario in the situation is not in your favor. The potential reward of standing on a Swiss ball is a marginal increase in balance, a marginal increase in core strength, but the risk of you standing on that ball is broken bones. It could be any, any sort of crazy injury, depending on where you're doing it. Where we have the exercise balls in the gym that I work at, there's like kind of a railing right next to it. So if you're standing on a ball and you happen to fall off this ball and you hit the railing, you could really hurt yourself. So the obviously the risk reward in this situation, the reward is not good enough to outweigh the risk. And obviously that's up to you to kind of go through that. If you think the risk reward is not as bad as I'm making it sound out to be, then, you know, that's up to you to make that decision. But if you're ever going to work with me, if I'm ever going to train you, you're never going to step on a medicine ball or an exercise ball because the risk reward in my eyes is damn near not good enough. So that's something to think about. So having good form really mitigates the risk that you're taking. Now, the slippery slope aspect of this is depending on your injury history and maybe even depending on your anatomy, what would be good form for you or quote unquote textbook technique form might not necessarily apply. So let's say you're a person with a knee injury. You have bad knees, you have achy knees, they're always kind of in general pain. If you watch a how-to squat video on YouTube, odds are one of the things that they're going to harp on a lot is at the bottom of the squat, your legs should be more or less parallel to the ground. One of the mantras that we use for squatting is ass to grass, kind of the same thing. If you're a person with a knee injury though, you're not going to do that full range of motion because it's not in the cards for you 
to do that. You're going to do a decreased range of motion. You're not going to go as far down. And it might look funny to you. It might look funny to others around you. But who cares what those people think? You're doing what's best for you. Um, I told this story in a podcast who knows how many uh, episodes ago. It was probably within the first 10 or 12 episodes. So one of the very beginning episodes. When I was an intern, I was shadowing a boot camp style class. And the head of the fitness department said, I want you to get in there. I want you to be involved. And I said, I'm not teaching the class. I'm just watching. How do you possibly want me to get involved? And he said, I don't know. Be motivational. Help people out that look lost. So I started going around. Um, and if you know me in real life, you know I'm not the most animated person unless like you really, really know me. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to like give these little motivational sayings to people. And then there was this one lady who's doing a ball slam. And in a ball slam, typically you would raise your hands up as far as you can overhead and you would slam down as hard as you possibly could. And this lady wasn't doing that. She was kind of just barely getting over her head and slamming down really gingerly. And I tried to go over and tell her... Um, how to do the correct form. I said, get that ball up as high as you could. And she said, no, I just had shoulder surgery. So obviously in that moment, I felt like a complete dipshit. I felt embarrassed because um, obviously I was trying to get involved and had it not been for the fitness director, the head of the fitness department being there and telling me to go ahead and start talking to these people, I would have never done it. Um, so obviously that lady, when she was doing that ball slam, she knew what was best for her body, regardless of what anybody told her. So regardless of how good of a personal trainer you think you found, regardless of how much faith you have in them to do a good job, you know your body better than anybody else does. So if something doesn't feel right for you, you shut that shit down immediately. Um, so even if it is a reduced range of motion squat, it might not be the textbook good form squat, perfect form squat, but that's a squat that's going to work for you. And even when it comes to something as simple as anatomy, somebody who has a long torso and long legs will deadlift very differently than somebody with a short torso and short legs. They might not look the same, but they might work for each person. So of course, for most of you guys out there, following the textbook perfect form is going to be perfectly fine for most of you. But you know if you're the exception to this rule. You know if you've got an injury. You know if there's some weird anatomical difference that nobody else has or not many people have that is going to differentiate the way you do an exercise. So finding the correct form, not doing the correct form, but finding the correct form is going to be of the utmost importance. And the other factor of the slippery slope here, and I've spent way too much time talking about form already, but the other factor here is kind of this idea of um, back in the day when Arnold Schwarzenegger was working out with his buddies, Franco Colombo, even Lou Ferrigno, these guys were using such massively heavy weights that they were doing things like using momentum to move the weights. And there's a big, great debate as to whether or not that's optimal or not, whether or not you can build muscle using momentum, using heavy weights. Um, so for something like that, depending on your fitness level, depending on your experience level, if you are a person who is, you know, moderately advanced in the gym and you are working towards a heavy weight, I think at the end of the day, it's not like necessarily detrimental that you're using a little bit of momentum to get the weight moving. You know, people will say that using momentum is obviously not optimal for you. And people will say, but Arnold did it back in the day and it worked for them. Obviously they were very muscular. So I think there's a little bit of a leeway there. If you're doing so in a way that's still contributing to the muscle growth, by all means, if you're using so much momentum that the exercise ends up being useless, then maybe there's no point in doing it anymore. But that's a little bit of a slippery slope. And the last thing I promise this is the last thing that I say about form is Back when I was an intern again, another intern story, I was shadowing a small group class and there was people doing a cable row and they weren't doing necessarily the best textbook form cable row. 
Um, but I didn't say anything. So I asked the teacher after the class was over and uh, I said, what do you do about people that are not doing the quote unquote perfect form? And he said, at the end of the day, the people that are coming to this class are not bodybuilders. It doesn't matter that they're not being the most optimal they possibly could with this exercise. It just matters that they're moving. So as long as they're not doing something that's going to hurt themselves, I really am not too much of a stickler when it comes to form. If they're going to hurt themselves, of course, I'm going to stop them and I'm going to fix them. But it doesn't matter that they're not doing the perfect textbook form. So for those of you guys listening out there, just because you're not doing something correctly now, as long as you're not going to hurt yourself, it's not the end of the world. You can start to work towards better form, better form, better form. After time goes on, it's not something that you've got to wake up tomorrow and master immediately. But that's the last thing I'm about to say form. Finding the form that works for you is going to be important training principle number one. Training principle number two is building the mind-muscle connection. Now, the mind-muscle connection is not something that you can touch. It's not something that you can feel. It's not something that you can see. It's not something that you can hear. Right. It's not it's kind of non-existent. Um, And I love to work with metaphors. Metaphors really work for me and I think work for a lot of people. But coming up with a metaphor for this one was a little bit tricky. But the best I could come up with is, let's say there's two people performing the same song and both are perfectly great singers. They're both actually really great singers. But a lot of times in show business, um, people refer to the X factor. Two people can both be fantastic singers, but one might have the X factor. Nobody knows exactly what the X factor is. It's not something that's tangible. Uh, It's just something that you feel. Mind-muscle connection is kind of the X factor for fitness. And the mind-muscle connection is essentially just matching the intent of the exercise to the execution of the exercise. And kind of what I mean by that is, for example, I've had a rough time throughout my entire training history building my chest. My chest is lacking compared to everything else. So when I do a chest press, whether it be with dumbbells or whether it be just a bench press in general, I can do it in a way that the form looks fine. It's perfectly fine form, but I don't necessarily feel it in my chest. I feel it in my shoulders. I feel it in my triceps. I feel it wherever, but not in my chest. So one of the aspects that maybe feeling my chest more might be finding different exercises that feel better, But at the end of the day, the chest press is one of the staples for building your chest. So I've got to figure out how to make that work for me. And the one thing to really think about is the mind-muscle connection. And really, while I'm doing the bench press, while I'm doing the chest press, really focusing on making sure that it's my chest that is initiating the movement and not anything else. It's not a form thing that you can see from the outside looking in. Somebody who is a trainer is not going to see a difference between somebody actively thinking about using their chest and somebody not thinking about using their chest. The form looks exactly the same. It's just a little bit of a connection from the mind to the muscle that's working. And it just so happens that I was working with somebody new this past week. And this was a person who was looking for a training program, a weight training program. They played football for a long time, so they've got a really strong base already. But over the quarantine, just like everybody else, they got a little more sedentary. They ate a little bit more. Um, and they kind of started to go in the opposite direction than they wanted to. But this person already has a strong base. So when I started going through exercises with this person, um, when we were doing upper body exercises, I had plenty of exercises for his back, mainly his upper to mid back. But when it came to finding exercises to work his lats, that's where I started to hit a wall a little bit. The lats are one of the muscles that is absolutely the hardest thing to hit because Frankly, not many people are aware of where their lats are, what the lats do. The lats are this side muscle right here, um, kind of your lower back. And it's really hard to feel those because not a lot of people know that it's there. Um, 
And it just so happens that in the gym, all three cable lat pull downs are out of order because they're too close to another set of machines. And obviously social distancing is still in place. So um, it just so happens that the lat pull down is really not that great for lats anyway. So it doesn't really matter. So I was showing him how to do these different lat variations. And I was showing him how to do a single arm lat pull down. Not that any of you guys need to know what that is. But essentially when he was doing it, I was asking him, where do you feel the muscles working what muscle do you feel is initiating the movement and he said to be honest i'm not entirely sure i've never had to work out and think about where i started to feel things um and it kind of made me smile actually because it's kind of a funny thing he's already tapping into the mind muscle connection he doesn't know where the muscle is coming from he doesn't know what muscle is initiating the movement but he's starting to think about it his mind muscle connection is not there yet but he's building the basis the foundation for building the mind muscle connection in the future he's thinking about it he's being more cerebral with his training so eventually with time it's going to transfer to everything so the mind muscle connection as simply as i can put it is just connecting the mind and thinking about what muscle is initiating what particular movement and this is something that's hard to verbally explain maybe you give it a google after this but this is more so something that you should try uh, that you have to try for yourself and figure out and last but not least training principle number three is to have some fun. Um, this actually stemmed from an Instagram post that I saw from a fitness page. And this person said, uh, if you don't like workout videos, if you don't like workout pictures, if you don't like workout advice, if you don't like fitness in general, please leave my page because I don't need the negative energy. The gym is my temple. This is what grounds me, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, that they said. Um, and if you are super serious about fitness and that's your mindset towards fitness, by all means, go for it. That's fantastic. But for most people, um, just a general fitness goer, these extremist ideas really would tend to uh, kind of scare people away, right? Um, just because you want to get healthier, just because you want to have a training program, just because you want to get control of your life in a fitness aspect does not mean you have to be in any way, shape, or form uh, extremist about it, right? You don't have to know all the lingo. You don't have to start watching the CrossFit games. You don't have to start watching the Mr. Olympia. You don't have to um, just be all in with the fitness mentality. You can set your program. You can come in and do your program, find things that you enjoy doing. And then once you leave the gym, you leave the gym at the door. It doesn't have to follow you around everywhere. It doesn't have to become your life's mission to be in the gym all the time. Of course, it's very hard to make progress if you're in the gym for a month and then out of the gym for a month, in and out, in and out, in and out. So it is something that should be a staple of your life. It's something that should be there consistently, but it doesn't have to be anything super serious. Find things that you enjoy doing, find things that work for you, find things that are going to help you make progress in an enjoyable way. Um, it's kind of like people who say that they hate running, but then they'll go and they'll play three pickup basketball games on the weekend. You're running. Find a way to do things that you enjoy doing, to have fun with it, um, and make this a part of your journey that you enjoy. Don't make it so serious. Don't make it so extreme. Once you kind of get into it, maybe that passion comes along the ride, but it doesn't have to come all immediately. Uh, just enjoy it. Have some fun with it. Live in the moment. Enjoy the process. Uh, and once you get to the end result, it'll feel even better. But that wraps up the three training principles for an essential resistance training program principle number one is finding the correct form for you principle number two is building the mind muscle connection and last but not least principle number three is have some fun but that wraps up that portion of the show hopping into the q a very simply the q a this week two questions uh question number one is how much cardio should i be doing um 
this is something that I hear in the gym all the time. People are always asking me, people uh, that come in for programs or just in general, how much cardio should I be doing? And it's going to be different for everybody. I'm not particularly fond of prescribing specifics for cardio. I'm not particularly fond of saying you should do this machine for this time at this intensity at this incline. That's not really my coaching style. Um, when it comes to cardio, the one thing to think about or the first thing to think about is how much time do you spend in the gym and how much time does your lifting take? If you're only in the gym for 30 minutes, that's all you could spare, and your lifting takes 30 minutes, then it kind of leaves cardio by the wayside. That doesn't mean it's not important. Cardio is not going to help you with your physicals. You're not burning as many calories as you think you are doing cardio. But at the end of the day, cardio is super important for your health, for your heart to be healthy. It makes your body more efficient. So you should be doing cardio in some way, shape, or form. So if you're using all your time in the gym to lift, that's fantastic. Maybe you do something like a really short circuit at the end of a workout to get the heart rate up a little bit. That's one way to go about doing it. But then outside of that, you still got to fill in some cardio, um, park your car farther away from Wegmans, walk farther away, try to get some steps, um, just going about your day, um, finding a fitness tracker, a Fitbit, an Apple Watch, whatever, and track your steps. Trying to hit 10,000 steps every day is a really good benchmark for a lot of people. That doesn't necessarily have to be in the gym. But if you're a person who has an hour to spend in the gym and your lifting takes 30 minutes, does that mean you should be doing cardio for half an hour? Maybe not necessarily. Um, at the very least, you should probably be doing cardio if it's like really moderately intense cardio for at least 10 minutes. Um, 10 minutes is a short enough bout that it's not too demanding, but it's long enough that you can get some results from it. This is a situation of slow and steady wins the race. If you want to, if you feel like you have 30 minutes to be on the treadmill and you're on the treadmill for 30 minutes and you eventually get sick of it, you're going to end up not doing cardio entirely. And obviously that's not the intended effect that we want here. So starting off with 10 minutes and then building on that might be the better way to go. Whether or not you do it on a treadmill, an elliptical, a bike, a stair climber, whatever, as long as you're breaking a sweat, as long as it's moderately intense for you, 10 minutes is the way to go. If you're doing something super intense, it doesn't have to be 10 minutes. If you're running a mile and your mile takes eight minutes, that's probably perfectly sufficiently fine. But if you're doing a brisk walk, if you're doing some low intensity cardio, it should be at least 10 minutes and then you can build on it from there. There's really no set point for everybody out there. Um, that's just something that you've got to fill in over time, find out how much time you have. If you're not doing cardio in the gym, finding ways to take steps, literal steps outside of the gym that will contribute to your physical activity over the long run is going to be super important. There's really no set rule for everybody out there. Uh, but question number two is how young is too young to start working out? Um, and this actually reminded me of pre COVID somebody came into the gym and they signed up for a sit down with me. Little did I know it was a mother and the mother was actually signing up because her daughter, who she wanted the program for, was too young to sign up with me. Uh, she was like 12 or 13 or something like that. So all three of us sat down and I said, you know, what, what's up? What do you guys want? And she said, well, my daughter needs to lose weight. My daughter needs to work on her arms, her legs, all this stuff. And it was heartbreaking. It's a young child. Um, they're still not fully grown. And this mother was like, you know, she's got to do this, 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 and that. And at that young of an age, 12, 13 years old, that child is probably not fully developed yet. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't be active. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't be involved in physical activity. But to have a full-blown workout plan might not necessarily be super necessary. You know, have them go out and play. Have them um, 
you know, do some sort of physical activity, even if it is a workout, it doesn't have to be a structured workout. It's maybe too young for them to really kind of get really serious about fitness. Of course, there's people out there that do it. Um, but you know, if they want a really basic program, sure, go ahead, but they shouldn't be, you know, so inundated with everything else that they lose sight of their childhood. That's maybe too young, but, um, I guess depending on your maturity level, depending on there's a lot of factors that will affect this, but um, you know, let's say 14, 15, 16, if you are a person or a parent that feels comfortable with your child at that age, being in a gym and having a program, that's up to you to make that decision. But um, for people that young to have a really structured program doesn't really make a lot of sense. If they have a general program that they can follow, you know, these are machines that are going to be really good for you. Try these out, get comfortable with these. Um, hop on a bike, hop on an elliptical, whatever. Those are things that those kids can do. But there's no really set minimum age to start working out. Um, but you know, getting so caught up in it at such a young age is maybe damaging psychologically. So uh, just something to think about. Um, no real set point age. Just you know, go with the flow. You know your child better than anybody. Um, if they're mature enough to have a workout program, then go for it. Um, but be aware, like this is something that could have long-term effects uh, if you're not careful. But last but not least, the weekly follow-up. Obviously, the weekly follow-up for this week is about episode 29. It was the alcohol episode. Um, and like I said at the top of the episode, I'm back at work. I have less time to do the podcast. So really, on any given week, I have one clear window where I can do the podcast. And in doing so, I try to prepare as much as I possibly can so I can get the podcast done in that one clear window. Because if I miss that window, I really run the possibility of missing a week of the podcast. Of course, I have a few episodes in the tank already, so it's not going to happen immediately. But if I do that a couple times, then it might catch up and I might miss an episode, which I don't want to do. But in doing so, I don't have the opportunity to record an episode, say I'm not happy with it, and then record another one. I've really got one shot at it. So last week was one of those episodes where I got a lot of the information that I wanted out, but it felt kind of rushed when I listened back to it. So the one thing that I want to really emphasize about last week's episode is you might listen to it and say, all right, Mark's a personal trainer and he is encouraging people to drink. He's encouraging people to use alcohol. And that's not the case at all. Um, alcohol is unnecessary, but so is cake. So is pizza. None of those things are necessary, but there is a um, factor of sustainability that comes with those things. If you enjoy, if you're a social person and that uh, alcohol is involved in the social activities that you do, if you can do it in a way where you can still make progress and it's not butting into your progress and it's not being unhealthy for you, you're not doing it to a point where you're going to have medical problems, there's no reason to not drink the alcohol, I guess. I don't want to encourage people to drink alcohol, but if that is something that is going to help you stick with a fitness plan in the long run because it allows you to have some form of alcohol in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you like to drink on Sundays when you're watching football. Then by all means, go for it, right? It's a, it's a matter of sustainability. It's a matter of longevity. You know yourself better than anybody else. Me talking through a screen, through a podcast, through your earphones, through your car speakers, whatever, I don't know you uh, enough as a person to make that decision for you. You know yourself enough as a person to make that decision for yourself. If you can find a way to fit alcohol in a plan where you're still making progress 
and it's not detrimental to your health. It's not detrimental to your family. It's not detrimental to your life. And there's no reason why you shouldn't do that. Um, but that wraps up today's show. Hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully these training principles work out for you and you start to make some fantastic progress in your fitness journeys. But that wraps up today's show. I appreciate you guys for listening. If you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts. Uh, If you're on YouTube, hit one of the two related videos. I think you might enjoy them if you haven't seen them already. Hit the subscribe button down here. Uh, If you have any questions for future Q&As, hit me up on Instagram at MTEFit or email me at madetoexcelfitness at gmail.com. And follow me on TikTok at MTEFit. I haven't posted in a while, but I will be posting pretty soon again. Hopefully you enjoyed today's show. If you did, leave a rating, leave a comment, share it with some people. Uh, I appreciate you all. I love you all. Peace. What's up, Mark? How you doing, man? Hunter Henry, LA Charger tight end. Uh, best big time shout out to your uh, fitness podcast, the Made to Excel fitness podcast. So um, super cool, man. You got a lot going on. Bolt ganger. Don't bang.